Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. As always, just a a brief review from last week as we continued um, in in our study of seasons to everything a season and looking at the five seasons of David's life. Last week, we, we did a brief review from August when we began this series on just five brief points, four brief points about seasons. And one was that there will always be seasons. <laughs> one is that you can bear fruit in every season. Good seasons, hard seasons. We talked about the tree outside of my window that even in the winter season when it appears to be dead, it's still doing work to bear fruit. Seasons provide fresh revelation of the character of God. As we experience different seasons of life, we learn different things about the God that we serve. It's not necessarily, and it's not at all that God is changing, but is that our understanding of who he is and how he acts and performs among us is growing as we go through various seasons of life. And finally, And I know this is a tough one, but there's good to be discovered in difficult seasons. There's good to be discovered in difficult seasons. That even in those trying times, God said, if you trust me, it's going to work for your good. That's that's what his word says. And I often say we have two options. Either we're going to believe his word or we're not going to believe his word. And so when he says in all things that he is working toward our good, that's where we have to stand, even in those difficult seasons. We are now in Gibeah, which is the second season of David's life. The first season we mentioned back when we started was Bethlehem, and we summed Bethlehem up, Bethlehem faithfulness and small things. that It can be summarized in this and all of the weeks that we did, but that God is intentional about all the details of our life. And I mean everything, to the job you have, the streets you live on, the car you drive, God is intentional about every detail of our life. And, and sometimes it takes us years and, and a lifetime sometimes to really understand why you were born to the parents you were born to, why you were born in the city that you were born in, why you were born at the, at the time. Because God said, there was something that I needed in the earth at that time. You didn't just happen here. He was intentional. He had holy plans for your life before you were even conceived. And that's hard to conceive, but that's what the word of God teaches us. And so now as we enter into the second season of Gibeah, this is the test of early promotion. I mentioned briefly last week that it doesn't say the blessings of early promotion, but the test of early promotion. Not that there's not blessings in promotion, but in this season that there is something that God is really trying to, again, show us and teach us. And we looked at Proverbs 27, 21 in two different translations, and I think it would bear referring to those verses again. It says in the New Living Translation, fire tests, that's Proverbs 27, 21, fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but a person is tested by being praised. The message, the purity of silver and gold is tested by putting them in the fire, but the purity of human hearts is tested by giving them just a little bit of fame, a little bit of praise, and it reveals your heart. And so now that we are in this Gibeah season, we went over 
something that seems kind of paradoxical, but it needed to be said, seasons are seasonal. They come, they go, they change. Soon as you get used to one season, another one is coming. It was snowing and ice on Monday, Tuesday, and it's gonna be 60 degrees on Friday. Seasons, they're changing. And then who knows, by March 1st, it may be back to ice and snow again. It, they're, they're constantly changing. But, and I didn't really emphasize this last week, but even in, in my review and study, this is something to, 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 to kind of focus on when you realize that seasons are seasonal. And this is just a word of wisdom and a word of advice that I believe that God gives us. When you realize that seasons are te- seasonal, take heart in difficult seasons. Take heart in those seasons. And what I mean by take heart, receive courage and comfort and hope when you're in a winter season. No matter how hard it is, take comfort that, that it's a season. It's not the definition of your life. That's why I said take heart, take comfort in knowing that these th- these, this too shall pass. You know, because that's how we, that's what causes us to get weighed. Now you're like, man, this is never going to change. My life is never going to turn around. Things are, that, that's not, that's not, there's nowhere in scripture that, that testifies to that statement. But remember, you speak life and death in your tongue. So don't say if it's not one thing, it's another. Don't say that things are never going to turn around. That's not what the Bible says. It says seed time and harvest. So if the Bible says seed time and harvest, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Bible's way and not my, my life is going to always be this way. Just take heart. But then the other cautionary tale that I saw in that is because we realize that seasons change. Just as we have to take heart during winter seasons, we need to make sure we are being prepared and staying in a mode of preparation during good seasons. Because that's when we get a little lazy. And we've got to make sure if you're in a good season, if you're in one of those, those, those that, that prospers where, where things are flowing, you still need to make sure that you're preparing for the next season to come. And that's what the story is in Genesis. When, when, remember, when Pharaoh had the dream and he needed an interpretation, and it was like, you're going to have these seven fat years, but coming right after that, you're going to have seven lean years. And if you don't prepare during the seven fat years, you're not going to have anything in the lean years. But if you use wisdom in those years when there's abundance, that you'll have something in the years when there's, when there's lack. And that's not just in our finances, and the wisdom in that is obvious. Don't spend every dime you got. You know, you don't know what's coming, save. That's what we tithe, sow, save, spend. But also in your relationships. I say if, you're, if your relationship, if you're in a good, as we pray for marriages tonight, if your marriage is in a good season, that means take this time to sow into someone who may be struggling right now. Because you know what? Tomorrow you may need somebody to sow into you. Just just hold them by their hands, pray with them, agree with them, love them while you're in a good season because maybe this time next year they're going to need to do the same for you. When you're in good seasons, use that season as well to prepare for the season ahead. So encourage somebody because who knows, you're going to need encouragement one day. And remember, the Bible says whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And so if you're in a good season and yet you're taking time to sow love and patience and peace in someone else's life, when that comes, someone's going to turn around and do the same for you. So even in those good seasons, we need to make sure we're still preparing ourselves. We looked at um, 
two lessons that we learned. One was by the man named Ahithophel, who learned a hard lesson. In fact, he didn't learn a good lesson. He had a good reputation, and he staked so much on his reputation when his advice was not followed, he, he ended his life. And so we learned that we have to find our security and identity in God. Not in our reputation, not in our position, not in what other people say, because one day they love us, the next day they don't. So your security has to be in God. And then to remember, the essence of who you are is never tied to a title. Because they come, they go. The essence of who you are is who God says you are. And if you ever doubt who God says you are, just find yourself a scripture. When he tells you you're the head and you're not the tail. When he tells you, you that he, he made you and created you in his image. Those are the things that we have to rest in and ensure when we're struggling in those seasons. The other thing we said was to continue in the same pattern of faithfulness in your season of promotion as you did in your season of small beginnings. We learned, and I said I'd, I'd read this story all my life, and I saw brand new that after David started working for the king, he still had to go back home and take care of the sheep. That he had to continue to be faithful to what may seem menial to others, but God said, I, I need your faithfulness wherever you are. And so even while he was in the middle of the miraculous, he had to take care of the menial. He had to continue to be obedient to his father, that that's how God continued to bless him and to elevate him. And it was in his faithfulness in small things that another level of promotion came upon him. It was in that lunch delivery to his brothers that his greatest victory, or one of his greatest victory, or at least his most well-known victory would happen. And that's his battle with Goliath. And so we're going to pick up this week, and we're going to continue in the season of Gibeah. And the next lesson that we learn as we're studying this is to remember the lessons of Bethlehem. That when you're in the season of, of, of early promotion, you need to remember the lessons that you learned in Bethlehem. Now, again, I'm not going to take the time because I don't have the time to go over all the different lessons that we learned in the four weeks that we looked at Bethlehem. But here's the thing I want us to understand, that whenever God has you in a season, and you're going through different things and God is, is pulling you different ways and, and your faith is being tested and your, your patience may be tested or your understanding. Everything that he brings about in your life during that season is just not for that season. In other words, seasons are seasonal, but the lessons that we learn in them are for life. You can't forget what you learned in Bethlehem just now because you're in Gibeah. You, you, you got to remember all of that stuff. It, 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 you have to remember those lessons. They're going to keep you in this season. I remember that there was a time that even as a, in, my, in my own personal life, I, that I, 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 would, I could hear God when it was time to preach. I, I would get in my word. I mean, I would study. I would pray. I would fast. But my own personal devotional life was lacking. Now, it was time to preach and teach. Man, you couldn't pry me from, from the Bible because I wanted to make sure I was rightly dividing, but, but there was something missing in my own walk and my own devotional life. And so I, I made a commitment. Uh, it was about three years ago that I'm just going to make sure every morning before I do anything, I'm going to spend time in my word because I was, I was feeling a disconnect from the presence of God. You know, I mean, I loved him. I knew he loved him. And, you know, it, it, we weren't, I wasn't walking around with that, 
you know, that good time feeling where I could just feel his presence in abundance. So I said, I'm, I'm going to really dig into his word. Now, as I began to move and God began to answer prayers and I began to, to, to learn the importance of that. Now, wouldn't the time I say, oh, I'm good. I finally feel God again. Or I hear me again. So I don't need to do all that 5 a.m. early morning devotions anymore. We're good. No, even as the prayers that you've been praying begin to be answered, God said, continue. If that's what you learn, keep doing that. And that's what, and that's the thing with us as saints. And y'all know when we when we're in seasons, rough seasons, nobody got to ask us to pray. You get a prayer circle you have never gone to before. You get people on your work to touch and agree with you. You don't even care what church is. Just will you pray with me? I mean, you, we pray, we, we cry, we weep, we, we call, we fast. And when God does that thing, you're like, whew, glad that's over. Because you know what? Prayer is work. But can you imagine if we just prayed like that all the time? That even when we were living in answered prayer, that we would still continue in that pattern of consistent and steadfast prayer because we know that God is always working and always moving and we need to stay in communion with him. God said, if you've learned that lesson, keep doing that. Don't forget what you learned in the last season in this season. So that's what David had to do. Let's look at that. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this is the story, the beginning, and we're going to be back and forth in 1 Samuel 17. Again, the story of Goliath in verse 32. 1 Samuel 17, 32 says, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Again, this is referring to Goliath. Then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for you are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and attacked him and rescued him, it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said this, and this is the part I want us to get. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. It wasn't so much so in Bethlehem that David learned how to fight lions and tigers and bears. That wasn't the lesson. The lesson was he learned that God was a deliverer. He learned that God was a protector. He learned while he was in the pastures by himself that God is faithful. He learned that God will do for him within his own strength. He cannot do. He didn't say here in this last part, he said, he didn't say I was so strong that I was able to do this. He said, no, here is my confidence. The Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion. The Lord delivered me from the paw of the bear. And so he can deliver me from this Philistine. He had learned the faithfulness of God in Bethlehem. So he now has to practice that in Gibeah. If you knew that God was faithful when you had nothing, understand that God is faithful when you have every need met. If God is a protector, God is still a protector when you're married and your children. If he was a protector then, he's a protector now. If he was faithful then, he's faithful now. If he could bring you out then, he can bring you out now. 
Those are lessons you learned. You still use those. He said, no, 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 no. I know he can do this. He's faithful then, he's faithful now. And see, that's the thing I think we forget sometimes. If you just take a minute and think about <laughs> what God has already done and brought you out of. Don't take a minute, take 10 seconds. Then you say, you know what? I'm going to get out of this too. But sometimes we forget. But we have to remember to take those lessons of God's faithfulness, and that's what David did. He had to learn how to press into God. And so because he pressed into God in the pasture, he was still able to press into God in the palace. Remember what you've learned. Don't, don't forget these lessons. The next thing in line with that is when these lessons don't transfer, seasons repeat. Anybody in here have children, nieces, nephews, godchildren? Anybody ever had to tell them something more than one time? And, and, and sometimes you, you can say it over and over again, and, and, and it just, it, it's some, there's, a, there's a disconnect. And, and it's like this look of shock of like, why is this happening to me again? Why am I on punishment again? Why? And yet they're, they're doing the same thing. And some of us, we're the same way with, with, with God. He said, you're in the same season because you keep doing the same things. And so the thing is, I have to make sure that you get this lesson before we move on to the, the next thing. Some lessons we get right away. You know, I, I, my, my, my five-year-old, we bought him a, a, a tablet for Christmas. And he loved it. He loves it. And he plays with it all the time. And he's very cleanliness conscious. So he decided that it had gotten dirty. So he washed it. He took a washcloth, he squeezed water, and he said, the screen is very dirty, and I wanted to clean it. And so there's lines, it's just lines, it's just lines, and he was, he was, he was devastated. He said, why are there just lines on my tablet? And I was just like, mm. <laughs> But because I am an intelligent parent, when I bought it, I bought it with a three-year, no questions asked, return guarantee. <laughs> because I was buying a tablet for a five-year-old. So, but here's the thing. He learned a lesson. So now that the, the new tablet is here, you can't even sneeze near his tablet. Because he understood if water gets on this, it's going to be destroyed. He, he got that. And some of us, we get lessons, those hard lessons like that. You know, if I lie, I still, I cheat. You know, I could lose my job and, and ruin my family. If I'm unfaithful my, to, my, to my spouse, even though we're in a difficult season, I'm not going to reap the, we get the difficult, it's, it's the smaller lesson sometimes. The, the ones that we're tested with every day, that we have a hard time, God says, and all of this, I'm still trying to get you to trust me. When we are upended and the tears are flowing and we feel like giving up and we feel like throwing in our hands and we, we feel abandoned, God said, it's the same thing. I'm still trying to get you to trust me. But God, why does this keep happening and how? He said, I'm still just trying to get you to trust me. 
Trust me when you see me. Trust me when you don't. Trust me when it feels good. Trust me in abundance. Trust me when you're in lack. I just want you to live in a state of trust. And even as I stand, that's easier said sometimes than done. Because you're like, God, I know you brought me through this, but this right here? But he said, well, we, we, we're not there anymore. See, this is the thing we have to understand with promotion. See, with promotion, there is still pain. Look at somebody, tell them, with promotion, there's still pain. There's still difficulty, there's still setbacks. And God has said, but still, even in all of that, I'm trying to get you so that we don't have to keep repeating these things over and over again. So let's look. In Exodus 14, we're going to go back a little bit. Y'all know these are our favorite people. The dear children of Israel. Thank God for their example of what not to do. Remember, you can learn from your experience or you can learn from the experience of others. And so here we are. This is what happens when lessons don't transfer. So in Exodus 14, we find them on, on the brink. They have, all the plagues have happened. They have gotten out of Egypt. Pharaoh has finally let God's people go in. They're standing and, and, the, and the Red Sea is in front of them. And starting at verse 10, Exodus 14, verse 10, it says, As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way? They were scared. They had, they had never been faced with, 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 with such a situation before. They knew that God had, had delivered them from, from the hand of the Egyptians, but they didn't even know what deliverance really was. And now here they are, and they can't seemingly go any further, and they are in panic mode. And it says, bringing us out of Egypt is not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. They're scared. Now, we know the story, but I love what it says in verse 14. It says, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. <laughs> the message Bible says, the Lord will fight for you, but you shut your mouth. <laughs> now, it's not saying don't, don't give praise, because you know sometimes we ruin our own, our own process with what we say out of our mouth. And so it's, don't, don't even say anything. Just be quiet. God's going to do this. Don't, don't speak. And why is he telling them not to speak? Because in this season, they weren't going to be speaking words of affirmation. It'd be different. They're going to say, our God is great. Our God is able. God's going to do this. God, that's not what they were going to say. And he knew that. And so, you know, the words, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. In other words, just don't say anything. Watch me do this. And guess what God does? He does it. And when you read chapter 15, you would think they got it. How almighty is our God? How great is our God? The horse and rider thrown into the sea. There is none greater than him. There's none mightier than him. They're singing, they're dancing, they're praising. They're, they're giving God glory for what he did. But then, then <laughs> chapter 16 comes. We're hungry. Now, 
The thing that makes this so scary, they said the exact same thing that they said before they had seen the miraculous hand of God. Look at 16 verse 3. The sons of Israel said to him, would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Lesson still not learned. They still hadn't gotten that the things that God allowed them to go through was never to undo them. I said the things that you go through that God allows to come across your path are never to undo you. They are never to destroy you. They are never to upend your destiny. They are always to get you to a determined end. But yet we spend so much time because a lot of times, like I said, when I quoted from Pastor's sermon last week, we can't reconcile the hardness of a season with God's will for our life. That he's trying to get something out of us, pull something out of us. And here's the thing. We always want greater from God, but we don't want God to pull greater out of us. We want greater blessings, greater levels of anointing, but we don't want to have greater levels of trust. If it was up to me, God, I'm going to trust you right here, but God bless me right here. Because trusting you here is a little challenging. He said, but you want, you want, you want this promotion. He said, then it's going to take another level of trust. And if you don't know what to say, just keep your mouth shut and pray. And, I, and, and if you're like me, and sometimes you really don't know what to say out of your mouth, and it starts coming, God, I'm not complaining, but nine times out of ten you are. Because if you have to explain, I'm not complaining, Lord, but. You know what? You can just say, Lord, I trust you. God, I don't get you, but I trust you. God, I don't see it, but I trust you. God, I'm not even feeling this right now, but I trust you. I trust that your plans for me are good because that's what the word says. I trust that your plans for me are holy. God says, I, I need to know that you get it. That even when, when the storms rise because they will, that you don't have to go into panic mode because you learn like David did, I'm faithful. How many of us have learned that God is faithful? So is he faithful now? Is he faithful when it's taking years? Decades? See, y'all, some people, we, we pass years. Decades. God said, I'm faithful. He said, I'm still faithful. I'm the same God that's kept you this whole time. He said, but we're going to keep repeating this until you get the trust. And how do you know you're in a season of trust in God? Because your life, your attitude, your words reflect it in everything. The next thing we learn in this season of Gibeah, we first of all talked about how we have to remember this, the lessons of Bethlehem. The next thing is two things that I want to focus on in this next point. Let the God who promoted you continue to do two things. And this is key. Let him continue to be your aim. 
Let the God who promoted you continue to be your aim. See, that's the thing I think we sometimes forget. David's aim was never to be famous. David's aim was never to make his brothers look bad. David's aim was never to make Saul look bad. It was never to make, make him look good. David's aim was God and God alone. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 17, 26. David's aim was to make God look good. That's what this whole thing was about. Even in this season of promotion, it wasn't about promoting him. It was about promoting God. David's aim was to prove that there is one God, that there is one God, and that's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He wanted to make sure that people understood that. And not only is that there's one God, but that he's a covenant-keeping, covenant-making God. And so in 1 Samuel 17, 26, see, when he comes up and he sees the, the giant taunting them, this is what he says out of his mouth. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who, who is this guy? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, he's not proud of the promise. He's not part of the covenant. He's not part of the sacrifice. He's not one of the children of Abraham. We are the covenant people. We are the kids of promise. Who is this giant? Do we talk like that when we are faced with people in our lives or situations in our lives? That we've got to realize that we are covenant people. And sometimes you just got to say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, that may not be a scripture to say out loud, sometimes depending on where you are, but you got to sometimes say, who are you? You aren't greater than my God. You're not part of the covenant. And that's, that's what he, his aim was to say, I'm not going to let God look bad. When you're on your job, your aim has to be, I'm not going to make God look bad. And I'm not going to let you allow God to look bad. Now, you may have to say that in the front of other believers, because sometimes it's us that make God look bad. And so when you're around a group of believers and they are complaining as much as the unbelievers, because understand the soldiers that were standing here in Gath, they were also of the children of Israel. They were of the same covenant. They had the same promise. They had the same guarantee and they missed it. But David said, oh, no, ain't no way God going down like this. He said, there's no way God's going down like this. He said, this, this, this guy right here, he doesn't have the promise that I have. God didn't do for him what he did for me when I was alone in the pasture. He kept me. When I was forgotten about by my family, he kept me. And so how am I going to let somebody who's not in relationship with him, not a benefit of his covenant, how am I going to let that person come in and undo my God? Do we have that same kind of mentality when everybody else is saying, well, I don't want to say in Jesus name only because, you know, that's not the really the correct thing to say these days. I don't want to stand up for my morality and my morals because, you know, I could I could be reprimanded on my job. God said, why are you afraid to stand up for me? Well, I don't want them to think I'm super holy or super religious or super anything. God said, I just need somebody to stand up for me. 
Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. And then it says, is there not a cause for us to be here? The other reason that scripture means so much to me, that is the scripture that I heard the day I accepted my call to ministry. I remember it like it was yesterday. Because I was dealing with, as we deal with in our adolescence, so much insecurity and fear and what people think. And, and, and this wasn't good and this wasn't popular. And it, something struck me, says, who, who is this? Who are these people that make fun of you? Who are these people who tell you you're not good enough? Who are these people who tell you that, that you're not qualified enough or you're not old enough or you're not a man enough? And you're not, who are these people? God is saying the same thing. Who is it that you're listening to? Who are you listening to? He said, because there's a cause for you to be here. Everything that you've gone through, everything that you're going through, every season that you're in with your children, with your job, with your family, God said, it's all the aim has got to be my glory. If your aim is just to get out of it, you're going to miss it. I said, if your aim is just to get out, God said, you're going to miss my point. My aim is so that at the end of it, people will see you before they see, they will see me before they see you. And that was David's aim. He didn't say, I want to be famous. He said, but I'm not going to let God look bad. Can we say that? That that's our aim. That the God who got us to this season of, of early promotion, that our aim is still to make him look good. The last thing. Second part of that, the God who promoted you, let him continue to be your dependency. See, here's the thing that ha often happens with promotion. With promotion comes stuff. Stuff. Right? I mean, that's usually when we give a testimony of promotion. It's because of some of the stuff that comes with it, right? Yeah. New office, bigger office, nicer salary. Sometimes you get a car. Sometimes you get a parking space. Sometimes you get a new title. Sometimes you get a plaque on your door. I mean, it's, it's part of the test. It comes with stuff. Greater authority. Now, you got people under you, and they have to listen to you. Right? Y'all never, that's the stuff that comes with promotion. Oh, no, we're also humble. We don't think about those kind of things that we get promotion. But, but it is. It's, those are the things that are exciting. I'm, I'm supervising this or I'm doing this. Those are the things that come with promotion, titles and clout and authority and power. But God said, that's not what's going to keep you when you're promoted. God said, I still have to be your dependency. You got a whole bunch of shiny stuff. God said, but that's not going to keep you in the rough season. He said, your shiny stuff not even going to keep you in the good season. He said, the God that got you there is the God you got to depend on even in the good season. Because the stuff stains. Cars break down. They do. And somehow, sometimes when we make more money, we get more bills. God said, I, I, I need you to depend on me, not your new power, not your new stuff. He said, because I'm the one that got you there, and I'm going to be the one that's going to keep you there. And so that's what David had to learn. Y'all know the story. Turn back to 1 Samuel 17. 
It says, then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head and he clothed him with his armor. David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk. For he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I can't go with these. I've not tested them. He said, I'm not used to this stuff. He said, you know what I've tested though? The faithfulness of God. He said, now that I know how to wear. He said, the stuff that got me here, it wasn't this armor, it wasn't this sword, it was the faithfulness of God. He said, so that's what I'm going to use to go into battle. Skip down to verse 48. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day, the Lord will deliver you up into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. That was a bold little fella. But he had learned who his God was. Can you imagine how different our talk was if we had learned, if we really embody who our God is? If you really live in the presence of who your God is, no matter what season you're in, you can keep a smile on your face and your head in the air. It doesn't mean that you won't have moments of tears and, and, and moments that try you. But when you realize and take into perspective who your God is, you can speak to people that have more power than you, that have more authority than you, that have more money than you, that have more clout than you, that have more stuff than you. But when you come in the name of the God of Israel, something happens. But we got to have that kind of confidence. Y'all, we can't, we can't, this, in, in this season that we're living in, this is not the time for us to be timid. We cannot be afraid. We cannot walk around whispering the name of our God, but he had a, a power in him that did not come from his stuff, but came from his relationship. If you don't have the said, spend some time with me. He said, so you can build your confidence in who I am. Time and time again, but it doesn't end there. Go down to verse 47. And look what he says. This is still David talking. He says, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Again, David said, I don't win this battle by the words. I win this battle because of God's faithfulness. We're trying to win spiritual battles with natural weapons. We're trying to win spiritual battles with natural weapons. And so that, that was the lesson that David learned, that even though now he had the authority of the kingdom behind him, that still is not what was going to give him victory. There is no title, no job, no promotion, no elevation that you will get that will be mightier than the power of God behind you. Depend on it. Rely on it. It's consistent. It's faithful. And like David said, I haven't tested this sword, but I've tested God. And he's come through time and time and time again. And even though we may be in a winter season, remember, you know God has come through time and time and time again. But here's the thing. It's easy for us to depend on God in leaner seasons than it is in fat seasons. It's easier for us to depend on God when we don't know where the rent's coming from. 
when we don't know how our children are going to eat, or we don't have gas money, or, or we don't know how the tuitions go, then we, that's when we're like, God, we need you. We need you. We need you, God. I'm, I need you to come. I need you to meet me. I need you to, to come. And we're, He said, but you need me just as much when every bill is paid, when it's flowing in abundance. You don't need anything from anybody. He said, you need me just as much then as you do now. And he said, unless you forget that, you'll get cocky. He said, and then I'll have to snatch from you what I gave you. He said, that's the test of Gibeah. <laughs> you need me no matter what. And it's easy. We always want to witness to people who are, who are, and I'm not saying they don't need to be witnesses who are homeless or destitute, or, but if they're a doctor and they're a lawyer and they're making 2.5, they still need Jesus. Just because you're on the street don't mean you need more Jesus than somebody who's in a penthouse. Well, look at him. Oh, they really need to know the love of God. He needs to know the love of God, too. But that's how we get. But look at this last scripture, Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 16. Last thing. We not only learn from David's example, but God warns us the same thing in Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 16. He said, beware. Look at somebody and say, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Now, here's the thing. He gave them the orders in the wilderness season. They were desperate then. They're going to listen then. He said, but I don't want you to forget them because he said, this is what's going to happen. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Make sure the message Bible says you don't forget God, your God, by not keeping his commandments, his rules and regulations that I command you today. Make sure that when you eat and are satisfied, build pleasant houses and settle in, see your herds and flocks flourish and more and more money come in. Watch your standard of living go up and up. Somebody should say amen. 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 Make sure you don't become so full, of your, so full of yourself and your things that you forget your God. God doesn't give warnings unless he knows there's a need to. He said, don't you get so full. But isn't it good to know that those seasons come? He didn't say if, he said when. He said, when your money increases, when it comes in, when your barns are full, when it's increasing, he said, don't forget me. The lesson you learned in Bethlehem, keep it in Gibeah. Because if not, guess where you're going to end up back? Back at small beginnings. He said, don't, don't ever forget who I am. He said, the same God that got you here. Don't depend on the stuff. Don't depend on the people. He said, I need your same allegiance and loyalty. The same intensity in which we prayed for our building is the same intensity we need to pray as we go in. The same intensity. So we let God know that we need you now just like we needed you then. 
God is saying the same thing. He said, as I elevate you, keep your dependency on me. Trust in me. Take the lessons that you learned in the previous season and carry them into this season so that you will not have your promotion and what I bless you with taken from you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location, 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastor's Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.